we can open our Bibles again at that portion of God's Word that we read uh, just a few moments ago, the 121st Psalm, and then with the Word of God open, we'll just come and seek the Lord's blessing upon the reading of His own precious Word. Our gracious God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee even for the words of this hymn that we have sung, these words that are based upon the Scriptures. If God be for us, who can be against us? We thank Thee that we are children of Thine. We thank Thee that Thou art our Lord and our God. But now as we come to the most central part of the worship service, the time when Thy Word is to be proclaimed, when thy word is to be preached, O God, I pray for the infilling of thy spirit. O Father, I pray for thy help. I pray that thy spirit would come and would fill my mouth. May he undertake in every part of the message. We pray that thou wouldst apply it even to each and every heart this morning. Thou knowest the hearts of the people here in Market Hill. Thou knowest O God, each individual circumstance. And Lord, we just pray that thou wouldst bless the word, even to each one, for it's in Christ's name we ask. Amen and amen. I want to take as my text this morning the words of verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 121. Those verses, they read, I will lift up mine eyes. Unto the hills, from whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. This psalm belongs to one of a short section of 15 psalms that runs from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And they are entitled, or they bear the subscription, A Song of Degrees. They have been referred to as a little psalter within the psalter. And those psalms are songs that would have been sung by those who traveled their way up and ascended to Jerusalem for the purpose of participating in the great annual feasts, those of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. They are brief psalms. There are many of them are perhaps only five or six or seven or eight verses long. But there are three of them, Psalm 131, 133, and 134, that have only three verses. They are very, very brief. But yet, despite their brevity, these songs of degrees, they have much instruction. They have much counsel within them for man today. This psalm we are looking at in particular, the 121st psalm, it can be described as the traveler's psalm. It is a psalm that tells of the pilgrim journeying and of the various dangers that he faces and also of the help that he experiences along the way as he embarks, as he engages on that journey. Such a scenario can be compared to your own life today and with your walk with the Lord. 
You and I are pilgrims. You and I are travelers. And as you make that pilgrimage, as you make your journey through this world to the heavenly Jerusalem, there are many obstacles. There are many difficulties. There are many problems and situations that will arise and need to be overcome. There are many things that you will face. But no matter what you encounter, no matter what lies ahead of you, you can have confidence in the Lord. You can rely upon him. You can trust in him. And that is what we see this morning in our text. And so from this psalm, and especially from verses 1 and 2, let us consider the psalmist and his confidence. And the first thing I want us to note is that the psalmist encountered a distressing problem. Verse 1, it tells us, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. The psalmist was searching for help in his situation. He was looking for assistance. He was looking for help. He had lifted up his eyes to those hills that were around him, and he had cried out those words, from whence cometh my help. That phrase, from whence cometh my help, is actually a question And the term from whence is one that in the original Hebrew, it is used for the asking of a question. And so the psalmist, as he looks to the hills, he's asking, where does my help come from? He was in a trying situation. He was facing danger and he required help. It is not revealed to us in this psalm what the specific problem was that was faced. Some commentators, they have speculated that this psalm was written by King Hezekiah. They say it was possibly whenever that Assyrian army came and camped outside the city of Jerusalem. Or perhaps maybe it was when he suffered from that illness, from that sickness, unto death in the same year. That point, Hezekiah was only 39 years old when he faced those trials. Others have suggested that it was penned in David's days during one of those times of trial, such as when his enemy sought to remove him from the throne and to claim the throne of Israel for themselves. In both cases, it can be said that they were dire and distressing days, both for the individual but also for the nation. But whilst we cannot be sure of the the exact specifics regarding what was faced by the psalmist, What we do know for sure is that whoever the psalmist was, whether it was Hezekiah or whether it was David, and whatever the situation was that he faced, he was in a position where he needed help. He faced a problem. He faced distress. And such a need for help is not something that is new to us here today in 21st century Northern Ireland. As God's people journey through life, many dangers, many troubles will arise. Many a distressing situation will encompass you about. And such troubles, they may arise even within the church. There are difficulties and problems that do arise from time to time. There may be compromise that leads to the entrance of false doctrine, that leads to error, that leads to a watering down of the gospel. It's one way the devil seeks to attack the church of Christ. There may be opposition to the gospel. There may be opposition to the church as they seek to engage in evangelism. And there can be many distressing problems that plunge the church into a dire situation. 
The preacher likewise may face distress. He is not immune to such problems as those who minister the word. They face all sorts of different problems that have to be dealt with. There are difficult situations that will arise from day to day that have to be navigated, that have to be handled most carefully and most wisely. But the individual believer will also face distressing problems. That as you journey through life, you will encounter trials that will cause great concern. You will encounter those trials that will cause you to be burdened. Sometimes they will come upon you very suddenly. They will come upon you unexpectedly. It reminds us of Proverbs 27 and the verse 1 that tells us, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know what trials may come upon us tomorrow or the next day, or the day after that. We don't know. We don't know what trials may come upon us even by 6 p.m. this evening. A phone call, or a text message, or perhaps someone coming and knocking in the door to tell us something. Those things can bring news that cause great concern, that cause great distress. There may be difficult duties as well in life that have to be performed. There will be times of temptation that will arise that must be resisted. And throughout our journey in life, yes, there will be those times of joy. There will be times where you would say that you are happy. Where you're rejoicing, but there will be times where there will be sorrow, where there will be concern, and where there will be worry. It may also be that the distressing problem that you face today is because there are family members whom you love dearly, whom you care for, whom you would do anything for, and today they have no care, they have no interest in the things of God, they have no care for the Lord Jesus Christ, and they don't want to know about how he came to this world, and he died on the cross, shedding his precious blood to make that way of salvation for them. You invite them to attend a service, or you encourage them to consider matters pertaining to eternity, and to their soul. And their response is simply, we just don't want to know. They don't want to know about the Word of God. They don't want to know about the Gospel. They don't want to know about the reality that their soul is on a road that leads to a Christless eternity. You have been left distressed and heartbroken by their refusal, and you are burdened deeply with regards to their soul and its final destination. It is a distressing problem that Many face, and I'm sure there are those in the congregation this morning, and this is a problem that you face. You are concerned about those whom you love and care about. And there are many other problems that can arise throughout life, and we certainly could not list them all. We would not have time to do so. But there are problems that are difficult, problems that are dangerous, and they arise throughout a believer's life. And the Bible even tells us of many who face such difficulties. David was hunted by Saul. And Saul sought to put him to death. And David in 1 Samuel chapter 20, he stated to Saul's son Jonathan, who was his best friend, he said, there is but a step between me and death. Another man in the scriptures was a man by the name of Job. He was a rich man. He was a wealthy man. He was a well-thought-of man. He was a godly man. But in that book of Job, as you read the first couple of chapters, you will see that Job lost his business. He lost his family. And he lost his health. He faced great affliction. 
He had his reputation being torn apart even by those who were his friends. He endured awful accusations and he was a man who faced a distressing problem through no fault of his own. This morning, like this psalmist and others in the scriptures, you will often be able to testify to the fact that you are facing a distressing problem. And you will desire help to deal with it. No one, when they face a problem, wants to just sit back and just have that problem for the rest of their life. We, we like to get those things sorted. We like our problems to be dealt with. We like them to be solved. And I, whenever you face such a distressing problem, you will desire that help. There will be those days of trouble where every single one of us, whether we be young, whether we be old, no matter who you are or what you do in life, you will seek and you will search for help. That brings us secondly to consider that the psalmist entrusted a divine person. The psalmist entrusted a divine person because he went to someone for help. And we see there in verse 2, the psalmist says, My help cometh from the Lord. The psalmist had lifted his eyes to the hills. But there was no help for him to be found in those hills. There was no assistance in his problem. There was no one in those hills who could aid him in his predicament. There was no one in those hills who could solve his problem. There was no deliverance. There was no relief. The hills could not help him. He did not look to military might. If it was King Hezekiah or King David who who wrote this psalm, they were men who, as the king of the nation, they had their own militaries. They did not look to their own military might, or neither did they look to other allied nations for assistance, nor did they look to friends or to family. See, mankind can only provide so much assistance to those who are in trouble. The psalmist, he did not call upon those false gods or those idols that were prevalent in that day. He did not call on Baal or on Dagon or any of those other false gods. You know, the, the Bible warns about reliance on others. But in verse 2, we see there the person declared because he calls on the Lord. He says, my help cometh from the Lord. That was the answer to that question in verse 1. Verse 1 where he says, from whence cometh my help? And he says, my help cometh from the Lord. His help came from the Lord. His help came from Jehovah. It came from the self-existent, the unchanging eternal God of heaven, the one who was immutable, the one who could never change, the one who was faithful to all of his promises, the one who would fulfill all of his purposes. This was the one who the psalmist was trusting in. He was trusting in the one person who would never, ever let him down. The one person who would never forsake him. The one person who would never betray him. Joshua 1 and the verse 5 tells us a wonderful promise that the Lord gave to Joshua. It says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What a promise. The Lord was going to be with Joshua as he had been with Moses. You know how often do friends and family let us down? How often do people make promises to us and then we find that they cannot keep those promises? 
How often do we find that when we trust an individual, we perhaps go to them for advice about a particular issue. And they, after a little while, we realize that our confidence has been broken and they have went and told others about our private business and things like that. How often do those who we thought were our friends go and, as it were, stand beside the foe. They go and they stand with those who are our enemies and they stab us in the back. Not so with the Lord. Proverbs 18 verse 24. It speaks of the Lord and it says. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The Lord is loyal. He is true. And he can be trusted. And he can be relied upon by his people. Note the cry of David in Psalm 86 and the verse 7. David was made this prayer, this Psalm 86. It is a prayer of David. And he uttered this at a time when he faced adversity. Psalm 86, verse 7. David cries, In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Wonderful words. We see there then the person who's declared, who is the man who the Lord trusts, or the, who the psalmist trusts. But also you see that this divine person who he's trusting, his power is revealed. Because our text tells us a little of this person's power. It says, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. There are many scriptural examples of the power and the authority of God. Genesis 1, it gives us the account of the creation And how all things were made out of nothing. How that the animal life and the birds were made. How the Lord said, let there be light. And there was light. Everything was spoken into existence. Exodus chapter 14. It tells us of how the Lord caused the Red Sea to part. In order to deliver his people from the Egyptians. It was a marvelous work of God. Then Joshua chapter 10 On the verses 12 to 14, give a wonderful example of how he answered the cry of Joshua and he caused the sun to stand still. Joshua chapter 10 and the verse 12, you have the prayer of Joshua. Joshua is in the battle, he's fighting against the enemy. And it says, then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, son, Stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And then note verse 13. Note what happened when Joshua cried unto the Lord. It says in verse 13, And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about the whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. The Lord had authority over the sun. He had authority over the moon. He had authority over the day and over the night. And he caused the sun to stand still and it to remain daylight over that battlefield. So that Joshua and his men could have the victory. It's another example, a great example of the power and the authority of the Lord. The one who made heaven and earth. And he did not only make it, but he has control over it. 
He controls all of creation. There are many other occasions throughout Scripture where his power is revealed. We think even of when the Lord Jesus Christ was walking upon this earth and how he was able to walk on water. He was able to still the storm. He was able to heal disease. He was able to cast out devils. He was able to take those few loaves and those fish and to feed 5,000 men and many others with that food. The Lord has all power and authority. And you know, whenever you face difficulty, whenever you face trouble, whenever that disaster comes upon you, it rears its ugly head and it causes you to be worried. You can take great comfort. As C.H. Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher said, Jehovah who created all things is equal to every emergency. The Lord is more than able to help you with whatever trouble you are facing this morning, with whatever difficulty that has come. He who made heaven and earth, he can do anything. He can do everything for you. There can come no difficulty. There can come no entanglement. There can come no disaster from which he cannot deliver you. There can come no sorrow in which he will not be able to support you and strengthen you. The Lord asked the question, Of Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You know we could ask that this morning. If we say is there anything that is too hard for the Lord? Then when we think of who he is. And what he has done and what he can do. He is the one whose power is infinite. The one who is most wonderfully beyond belief. Yes, whilst things may be too hard for men, and things often are too hard for men, they are not for the almighty God of heaven and the creator of this earth. And this was who the psalmist was trusting. In the day of his distress, he could say, My help cometh from the Lord. He trusted him with all of his problems. But this morning, what about you? Can you say that your help comes from the Lord? In that day of trouble, oh, you cannot rely or depend upon the powers of men. Your confidence must be in the Lord and in him alone. You know, often in the day of trouble, the immediate and the natural reaction of men is to look to someone or to something of this earth. To look to either to the creature or to the creation and not to the creator. They look to man and they look to themselves in order to find a refuge instead of going to the person where they can find refuge. But this psalm teaches you that the people and the things of this earth are not to be your refuge. They are not to be who you are to depend upon. But rather you are to look to the Lord and you are to trust him. Charles Spurgeon, to quote him again, he stated, commenting on this passage, Our hope is in Jehovah, for our help comes from him. Help is on the road and will not fail to reach us in due time. For he who sends it was never known to be too late. You are to trust the Lord who has power and authority over all. But this morning, let me ask, if you are facing great difficulty, if you are facing those great distressing problems, are you trusting in the Lord? Are you trusting in him? Or are you leaning simply upon yourself? 
Now the Lord has said that he will help you. He has said in his word that he cares for his people and he invites his people to cast their cares upon him. But have you done so this morning? We come thirdly and finally this morning to see that the psalmist also experienced a delightful preservation. In verse 2 we have that word help. And the word help, it means to aid or to assist. And the idea is one of a stronger party or one who is a mightier giving assistance to a weaker individual. This is exactly what the psalmist received. The psalmist was much weaker than the Lord. He was just a mortal man and the Lord was the God of heaven. And he received aid, he received assistance from that stronger party or individual. One example of that help that is given in this psalm is in the preservation of the psalmist. The Hebrew term for the word keepeth uh, that occurs in verse 3 is used six times from verses 3 to 8. And that word keepeth, it speaks of preservation. It speaks of guarding. It speaks of hedging round about and to watch and uh, to protect. And in protecting and in helping you, the Lord has promised that he will preserve you at all times. He is not like Baal who was thought to be sleeping in 1 Kings chapter 18. But we note verses 3 and 4. It says, He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord does not sleep. His care for you does not go from nine to five, but rather his care for you. It is constant, it is continual, and it is permanent. He will never neglect you. He will never forget you. There will never be a moment when he will have thrust you to the side and forgotten that you exist. During both day and night, he will watch over you. And when it is time for you to walk those difficult paths in life, and yes, they will come, we all will have to face those difficulties. The Lord will preserve you. He preserves against enemies. We see that in verse 5. It says, The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. And that word shade, it means defense. And when the enemies of God rise up against his people, it is the Lord who defends them. It is the Lord who shields them. And yes, he may choose to use instruments to raise up men to stand. We think of how he raised up individuals in the days of the judges. We think of Gideon. We think of Samson. We think of Ehud. And we think of those other judges that were raised up in that time to fight against the enemies of his people. The Lord called them and equipped them for his work. But ultimately it is the Lord who preserves and defends his people. And child of God this morning, as you journey through this pilgrimage of life, you can be assured that the Lord will defend you against those enemies who would seek to have you destroyed. His gracious power will wondrously overshadow you at every step that you take. But then he not not only preserves against enemies, but he also preserves against evil. Verse 7, it says, the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. You know, evil appears in many different forms. It may be a temptation that comes upon you. Maybe that temptation to sin and how quickly such a temptation can overtake you. It can overpower you. It can pull you down. 
Maybe he thought that the result of engaging in such a sin would be to gain popularity or to gain prosperity. And the devil will seek to ensnare you with such thoughts as if you do this, people will think well of you. If you do this, you will get riches. You will get this, that or the other. He'll seek to ensnare you. And how often the devil's lies when it comes to tempting, how often popularity and prosperity, it never happens. But the Lord, whenever you come to the Lord for help, he will preserve you in the face of such evil. He will preserve you from temptation. We are to watch and we are to pray that we enter not into temptation. May also be that you experience some calamity, some disastrous set of circumstances and something may happen and it would be said of you that evil has befallen you. Something evil has happened to you. But here you are told that the Lord will watch over you and that he will guard you and preserve you. Yes, you may have to endure those hardships. You may have to endure those trials. But if he is your help, he will preserve you from evil. And that evil will not have the victory over you. We see also that he preserves for eternity. Verse 8, it says, The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, and even forevermore. You know, the Lord will watch over you, not just for the entirety of your time on earth here, but he will watch over you throughout all eternity. Oh, you may be buffeted and blasted and shook about by things that happen during your sojourn here on earth. Life may be hard, it may be difficult as you try to make ends meet, as you try to live that faithful life for the Lord, as you try to serve him in whatever ways that you can. But you know there is that great assurance that no matter what you face in life, that the Lord who is your help, he has promised in his word that he will preserve you for all eternity. In those hours of trial, in those hours of problems, you must look beyond the mountains and the hills to the Lord who made them all. Look to the one who has promised that he will keep you. You know, no one will be able to pluck you out of his hand. No one will be able to steal your salvation. And if you are trusting in Christ this morning, you can have confidence in the promise of the Lord that he will preserve you for all eternity. When your earthly pilgrimage is done, when your race on this earth is run, and you finally cross that finish line, you will enter through the gates, through those pearly gates of heaven, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and you will be with Christ your Savior forevermore. But what confidence the Christian has. What confidence this psalmist had. He had confidence in the Lord, and he could take delight in his preservation, not just whilst he was here on earth, but he could take delight in that preservation that he would have for all eternity. That, that reward that could never be taken off him. No enemy, no evil, not even the great adversary himself, the devil, could defeat the Lord. The psalmist placed his confidence in the Lord. But this morning, let me ask, is your confidence in God? Can you say that Psalm 20, verse 7, is your confession? David writing that psalm, he said, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. 
Are you trusting in those chariots or those horses? Are you trusting in the things of this world? Or are you trusting in perhaps your own abilities? Or is your confidence in the Lord and in him alone? Perhaps this morning you're outside of Christ and you have no such hope. You know this morning that the Lord is not your helper. Let me ask, will you turn to him this morning? Will you not repent of your sin? Will you not call upon Christ to save you? You know he offers his salvation to you. He sent his only begotten son down to this world to die in your place. And he calls to you this morning to repent of your sin and to believe the gospel. You've perhaps heard that message many times. Many times. You've maybe heard it many times in this house. But yet you have never responded. You have never adhered to it. You have never come to Christ and asked to receive his salvation. This morning it is offered freely to you. But you must come in order to receive it. And only when you come to Christ. You confess your sin. You turn from it. And call upon him to save you. Only then. Can you have the confidence that the Lord is your help and also that he will preserve you no matter what you face in the days that lie ahead? Oh, this morning I trust that each one of you would know the Lord as your help. The psalmist, he knew that the Lord was his help. He was able to say, my help cometh from the Lord. But can you say that? Can you say that your help comes from the Lord? If not, I implore you to turn to him and to ask him to save you. And then he too will be your helper. We'll just close our meeting this morning by turning to the Lord just in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee again for the opportunity that thou hast afforded us even to consider thy word this morning. And Lord, we thank thee that we can place our confidence in thee because thou art our helper. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst bless thy word to each and every heart this morning. And O God, we just pray as well that if there be one in this meeting and they are unsaved, we ask that thou wouldst strive with them And that thou would show them their need of salvation. O God, unless they have received thy salvation, they cannot have thee as their help. And Lord, we pray that today, that thou wouldst open their hearts and save their precious souls. Part us now with thy blessing. Take us to our various homes in safety. And watch over us even through the remainder of this day. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.